Hello and welcome to Publish Me, a monthly podcast series from the AS21 Podcast Network. Each month we explore the publishing process of the fantasy epic, The Will of the Magi. I'm your host, Keith F. Shovlin, publisher and chief creative of AS21 Publishing. And I am Paul Dickinson Russell, the author of The Will of the Magi. I hope everyone is doing well this month, and an early happy Halloween to everyone. Yes, indeed. So, now, if this is your first time joining us, where you been? You should have been here earlier. Shame on you. <laughs> Shame. You've been missing some good stuff. I recommend you go back and listen to our past episodes, because this is chapter 19. So that means we have at least 18 episodes behind us, but even more than that, because that's just for chapters. We had a title page and a foreword before that. But now we have chapter 19. Today we'll be talking about the National Book Festival. For those of you that haven't been here before, just to give you a rundown, first we start out, the primary purpose of this podcast is we're following through the process of Paul as he's been finishing his fantasy epic, The Will of the Magi. So we'll get an update from him, then we'll be talking about some housekeeping stuff since this is a Just Him and Me episode. And then we'll be going into our discussion and some interviews from the National Book Festival. So start us off, Paul. What do you got? All right, everybody. So I think uh, I think at this point, Keith, if I hadn't finished by now, you probably weren't going to kill me. But luckily, with our current final count, we are at 252,911 words for a final count of our Epic, the Will of the Magi. So, yeah, I'm done. I finish. Yay! It took me long enough. So, right now, the process begins of every writer's, every off, every writer's, every author's, every poet's, anyone who writes anything. The process that most of us hate the most: the editing process. Yes, the <laughs> editing process now will begin. Now, of course, you're going to be doing a self-edit first, right? Yeah, I have already begun my self-edit. I, you know, it's for most people, you know, when you like reading, you know, which if you're listening to this, you probably do. We would hope so. You know, you burn through a page. You might burn through a page or two really read quickly. If you're really engrossed, you might read really attentively. My editing read through is basically going word by word, line by line, paragraph by paragraph, making sure I have really good word choices, going through, making sure I have the right tense, which for me is always a problem. I'm horrible at keeping my tenses straight and just doing that. I should be able to wrap that up. I mean, I'm a much better editor than I am a writer for some things, I guess, but I'm hopefully going to be able to do this since I really want this done now, I would like to finish my book. You know, I would like to publish it and do everything else fun with it. I'm aiming to do that in the next couple of weeks, at which point, once I have finished my edit, and I will be sending it off to Corey, you know, our wonderful editor, AOIS21 Publishing, along with a select number of friends and family who are exceptionally tolerant <laughs> of me and 
who I hope love me dearly <laughs> and don't murder me outright when I, ha- when, you know, when I drop these dog killers on their desks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I-, I have a feeling, you know, if I know my mother will definitely help me out because everyone's mother helps them and loves them. And, you know, she's also... I hope so. Yeah, hopefully. I hope your parents and mothers love you. But, yeah, I've, you know, I've given her some edit things to edit in the past, and so I know she's good for it. But something this large, I think I'm going to worry about handing her because, you know, she has a very cute little Jack Russell. And if I drop this on the Jack Russell, there is no more Jack Russell. <laughs> Boy, and you're being okay. serious about dog killing here. I don't know if we keep this conversation going. I don't want to kill the dogs. Just don't <laughs> drop my book on them. Okay. It's like if you drop any of the Wheel of Time books on the, on any animal. You know, the animal is gone. Yeah. Because those things are huge. Anyway. So, everyone. Okay. Yay! Yay! And there was much rejoicing. Yay! <laughs> I, I will say, I had to make a couple deals with Satan and other beings of that ilk. Well, you do live in New Jersey, so he's a neighbor. Exactly. You know, I you know he's actually right down the road. There's a nice patch of woods that you know if you walk into him, you don't come out of. So it works out for me. Yeah. Everyone knows about the New Jersey Devil, except for people who don't live in Jersey. Oh, there was the episode of the X Files about it. There is that. This is true. This is true. And of course, that's where the hockey team get got its name. Well, some people ignore that because some people are silly. Yes, they are. Anywho. You should know your trivia about where your hockey teams got their names. <laughs> okay. All right. So the book is done. It has been written. It Shall it be written? Shall it be done? <laughs> uh, we're we're going to, you know, I, we are both very tired people. Apparently. Yes. Yeah. We're, we're recording this late at night on the 6th to go out on the 7th. So this is only the beginning of what will be a very long night for me. I apologize. Yeah, it's all Paul's fault, but it's okay because he finished the effing book. Woo! <laughs> Woohoo! All right. So, all right. So, in, with that in mind, so now we're going to be having a shift in the way that this podcast has been going. This will most likely be the last episode where it is just me and Paul talking over a topic. From now on, we're probably going to be having a guest on every month, and course we were planning on having a guest next month and that will still happen but we're going to have on additional guests maybe we might have multiple guests in one episode because we're going to want to talk marketing strategy we're going to want to talk with our editor-in-chief Corey Parker we're going to want to talk about cover design so we're going to see about getting a couple artists on the podcast to talk about designing a cover for the will of the magi but here's the thing that's most important Starting with the episode that'll post in November, since this is my first hearing of Paul being done with a book, I didn't want, you know, don't want to put the cart before the horse, as they say. Coming in November, we will be starting a crowdfunding campaign to raise the money to help pay for the editing and the cover design for Will of the Magi. And this is where we need your support, fair listener. You've been with us, hopefully, in many, many months. And now is your chance to become one of the key people to help make the Will of the Magi a thing. Launching next month, month of November, will be the... We haven't decided which crowdfunding platform to use just yet. We were going to use 
pub slush, but they don't exist anymore. And there was another one pub launch that doesn't seem to have gotten up and running just yet. So whether we do Kickstarter, whether we do Indiegogo, we'll work that out and we'll let you know. But we'll be trying to we'll be raising the money to help Paul pay for the editing and to pay for the cover design. And that's where we'll need your help. We average about 45, 50 listeners per episode. If each one of you people give $10, then that will more than cover the editing costs. If each one of you give $20, then that will more than cover the editing cost and the cover design. So that'll be our goal, okay, everyone? All right, and we may have a, a special supplemental episode during the month of October when we have the, when we're ready to announce the crowdfunding campaign. So be on the lookout for that, and we'll be ready to really, we are now at the stretch run. The book is written. Now we are getting into the core of the publishing process. What you faithful listeners have been waiting for, us to actually be in the process of publishing. For many and many a month now, for, well, over a year and a half, we've been holding Paul's hand as he's been working patiently on his book. The work is done. The story is written. The story is live. Now we just need to make sure that it gets to you, fair reader, as the best possible form it can. So be on the lookout for that supplemental episode coming later in the month and more details in the November episode. But before we get to that, we must cover this month's episode. This is Chapter 19 of the Publish Me Podcast. It will be discussing the National Book Festival. But before we get to the discussion and the interviews, some housekeeping. First up, take a look at the Publish Me Facebook page, and we are sitting at 113 likes. So, pretty much where we've been. No real change. Why are our numbers changing and increasing? What is wrong with these people? No change in the past. But we've been at 113 since June? Yeah, since July, actually. Oh, wow. So, now's the time to like the page. We're going to be sharing a lot. We're going to be doing regular updates once we start the crowdfunding campaign. We're going to be giving shout-outs on the Facebook page to anyone who supports the campaign. Uh, that is, if you want your name shared. And, of course, you will get a shout-out in the book itself, in the acknowledgement section, and all, as well as shout-outs on other various parts of the AS21 social media landscape. But the key thing is, the book is done. Oh, Lord Almighty, the book is done. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I will say at this point, knowing everyone I know at this point, you're all probably going to be like, Paul, it's a wonderful book. It's well written. We enjoyed it. It's too damn long. We need to chop. <laughs> we'll, we'll see. I mean, that I'm leaving that up to Corey. He's my trusted advisor and as editor-in-chief. I trust him completely. I mean, obviously, he's edited my books, so obviously I trusted him enough to do that. So this is true, and he'll he'll be working most likely with other members of his staff to conquer the hefty beast that a two hundred and fifty-eight thousand word epic will be. <laughs> yeah, about those kind of things. Yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, so other housekeeping things. Uh, starting with this episode. We will be also launching a Patreon account, Uh, and it's actually 
Podomatic just started a new partnership with Patreon, which worked out because we had just launched the Patreon page itself. But uh, we're looking for just that it's entirely helped support the AS21 Podcast Network. If you like Publish Me, or if you like it and listen to some of our other shows, whether it be the weekly literary news podcast I host literally this week, or the bi-weekly sexuality podcast Sex Vex Perplexed with the Modern Horror hosted by Eileen Vega, or our monthly news commentary podcast, The World's Only Podcast. Now is your time to show your support. We're looking we're looking for a relatively small amount. We're looking for about eight bucks a month is what we're trying to raise to start out. If we get more than that, that's fantastic. Because it'll help us keep these podcasts rolling. We're getting to the point where we're there. Podomatic's making us pay for space for storing all these hefty backlogs. We already hit the limit on Publish Me several months ago. But we wanted to make sure every single episode remained available for the listening audience. Whereas in the case of Literary This Week, we hit the deadline about three months ago. But since the that weekly podcast doesn't have much staying power, we decided to let some of those episodes drift off into the sunset. But we don't want that to happen with Publish Me. We don't want that to happen with Sex, Vex, Perplexed. We don't want that to happen for the world's only podcast. So if you listen to the podcast, all we ask is just a small moment. I mean, I'm asking, so far, this is a lot of money I'm asking you for this episode. If you like the episode, it's a dollar. Give a dollar. That's all. And then plenty of money saved up to give to Paul's crowdfunding campaign. I need money. I poor. I would pay for it myself if I could. But see that of you who know me. See, th- this is really where it becomes an interesting thing when you look at the independent publishing industry. A larger publisher would most likely would obviously cover the cost of editing and cover design because they expect to be paid back in lucrative book sales. But we're no Penguin Random House. We're no Simon & Schuster. We're a small independent publishing company. Books, and especially with the deals we have set up with our authors, our authors, our creatives benefit from the sales. We not, us not as much. We get a small cut of each sale. Instead, we benefit from the use of our services. So that's why there's this cost that's unfortunately falling on Paul's shoulders. And that's why we need to do the crowdfunding campaign to help make this possible. He's done the hard work of finishing writing this book. Many, So many of you have been listening faithfully to this podcast for months now. All we need is just a bit of help, and this book will be yours. And of course, that means that if you pay for it now, you are reserving your copy. And we'll make sure that it will be signed and all fancy and on its way maybe even before it goes on sale to the general public. And that means ebook, print, and who knows, maybe even if we're successful enough with the crowdfunding campaign, hardcover. Ooh. Yes. And remember, I did say this. If you donate $2,000 to our crowdfunding campaign, I will sign it in blood. My own. <laughs> Thank you for the uh, clarification <laughs> on that. <laughs> I I don't want to know why there's that jug of blood sitting behind you, but maybe you've been saving it up. I don't know. <laughs> you know. Or maybe you just went to Costco and bought ketchup. I don't know. 
Uh, yeah, if you go to like, Costco and buy ketchup, it, but you basically look like you're, you know, stockpiling things for vampires. Is basically what it looks like these days. Yes. Yes, indeed. Okay, so. <laughs> now, of course, so I, so I was broaching the subject of the crowdfunding campaign, talking about our Patreon account that we're launching now. Yep. One other thing before I get to our sponsor message for the month. We had the honor of being included on a mailing list a couple weeks ago on the podcastguest.com website. Ooh. They put out a, a mailing list every Monday with a list of seven podcasts to check out. And we were the top podcast on the list. Really? Yes. Excellent. So, the Publish Me Podcast. Yes, the Publish Me Podcast was the top one on the list. And we got 25 interested guests. So... I'm now looking through the list, and as of right now, I've identified at least one person who will be joining us as a guest. This will be for the January episode, based on her schedule. So, we're going to continue to give you great content, not as discussing the publishing process with Paul, but as well as we're going to have on a very diverse crowd of guests. So far, it's mainly been people associated with AS21 whether they be our creatives or friends of AS21, such as Carolyn O'Neill, author of Kingsley, the ecological fiction novel. We're going to have more like that, more more people coming on with diverse backgrounds, with their own different experiences, whether they be authors, marketers, promoters, or people who have just have a unique insight on the publishing industry. So we're going to have some very interesting guests coming up in the months ahead. And like I said, starting with next month, we're going to have a guest of some sort every episode. Because now that we're, we, the book is done, we don't need any filler episodes. Like an episode talking about the National Book Festival. <laughs> now, now, as I said, there was one more thing about money I wanted to bring up, and that is our sponsor for today's episode, the National Walk to End Alzheimer's, which is taking place Actually, if you're listening to this on the day it's released, it's taking place tomorrow, October 8th, on the National Mall in Washington, D.C. Team AS21 will be walking. We we have a goal of $1,000. I know as of right now that we're recording this, we have not reached the goal yet. And even though the walk is on Saturday the 8th, we will be continuing to be able to raise money for the walk, to, for the Alzheimer's Foundation throughout the rest of the month. So if you're listening to this and you care as much as we do about ending the scourge of Alzheimer's disease, the sixth leading cause of death in the United States, then please donate some money today and help out. Help Team AS21 as we try to preserve the stories that are being lost as so many memories are being wiped clean by this disease. I'll be walking and as well as Editor-in-Chief Corey Parker and AS21 creative Michael B. Judkins walking with me. And we had support from uh, AS21 webmaster Joshua Silverman, creative adjacent Adam Wallach, and AS21 creative Eileen Vega. So thankful for all of them for the showing their support, as well as many of the other supporters who have stepped up to support my my personal goal and the larger goal of AS21. Including, I believe, uh, frequent supporter Joshua Height, who has both supported, supported all of our Kickstarter campaigns we've held in the past, as well as he's been a very helpful guide in assembling this podcast. He was one of our early, gives us some of our early feedback on the podcast that helped guide us 
the, through these many months as we've been breaking down the different parts of the book and how different things come together. So thank you to Josh for supporting the podcast, supporting AS21, and supporting the walk to end Alzheimer's. So, Ooh, Josh. so now you've heard me and talk about enough. Now for the quick ad from the Alzheimer's Foundation. Every 66 seconds, someone in the U.S. develops Alzheimer's. The good news? Someone you know is doing something about it. Someone you know will not stand still and is helping to reclaim the future for millions by raising critical awareness and funds. Someone you know is determined to make a difference and needs your support to do it. Donate now. Visit act.alz.org slash go to slash AS21 today to donate as we prepare to walk to end Alzheimer's on the National Mall on October 8th. Okay, now let's get to the meat of today's episode. This is Chapter 19, the October 2016 edition of the Publish Me Podcast, talking about the National Book Festival. The National Book Festival was held on Saturday, September 24th at the Walter E. Washington Convention Center in Washington, D.C., and I believe this was the 14th annual National Book Festival. It first got launched with the help of First Lady Laura Bush back during the George W. Bush administration, and it has continued under the watchwise of First Lady Michelle Obama, and of course this year it featured the new Librarian of Congress, Dr. Carla Hayden, who was installed as a librarian on September 15th. She is now the 14th Librarian of Congress, and not only is the first woman to hold the post, but she's also the first African-American. So, really breaking down walls with her, her appointment. And the National Book Festival showed with some of the changes. This year they added a main stage on the third level of the convention center with 2,000 seats available. And Because not only did Dr. Hayden speak and present awards to such literary luminaries as Margaret Atwood, but also horror novelist Stephen King made his first appearance at the book festival and spoke early on Saturday to a crowd of over 2,000. Now, the festival itself was split between the multiple levels of the convention center. You had the main stage on the third floor, you had smaller stages on lower floors, and then on the main exhibit floor, you had two children's panelist spots and an a couple other spots, including one inside the Library of Congress section and one inside the Wells Fargo area. Then, of course, you had exhibitors. You had the Pavilion of Estates, representatives from all 50 states, plus seven territories, where people would go around with a map of the United States, and they get a stamp or sticker or other mark for each state, and hear information about those states and their libraries or their literary figures, and then if you completed the map, you got a Special prize, a copy of the National Book Festival poster. And if you haven't seen the poster for this year's book festival, it is simply gorgeous. They do an excellent job each year, but they really outdid themselves this year with the design for the poster. Uh, we got our copy, and we're getting it framed and putting up on the wall in our kids' room, because it is fantastic. And, of course, I attended the book festival with my oldest daughter, Michelle. So we're going to be going to our live recordings from the book festival, both an introduction with me and Michelle, some interviews with 
representatives of the Library of Congress, since it is primarily hosted by the library. They had several exhibitors out, and I went around talking to them, mainly because I know them pretty well already, so it was easy to approach them to get, get interviews. And then, of course, a final review after we left the book fair. Now, I will say that my daughter and I did not attend any of the talks. It's very difficult to get a five-year-old to sit still for a talk when she doesn't quite understand what's going on. It's hard enough to get her to stand still while you're trying to interview somebody. <laughs> but we were primarily there to look at exhibitors and everything there, and, of course, the Pavilion of Estates and everything. So now, without further ado... Here is the audio from our tour of the National Book Festival. This is Keith Shevlin live at the National Book Festival 2016 in the Washington Convention Center in Washington, D.C. Here with me is my oldest daughter. What do you say, Goose? Hi, I'm Michelle. So. What did you like so far? Um, the, the picture thing and the thing where I got in the hoist. In the hoist. That I got to throw a hula hoop onto the hoist. Yeah, that was at the Wells Fargo station, right? Now we're going to walk over to the children's station and see what else we can find, all right? So how's your day been so far? It's been really busy. We've had probably hundreds of people come to our table taking all kinds of items. Uh, we've got books, postcards, knowledge cards, note cards, everything that's based on the library's collections that the Library of Congress publishes. And it's been a really successful day. Well, I should start by saying this is the uh, publishing table. This is Susan Radin of the publishing office. So have you had an okay day? I've had a very good day. How long have you been working so I've far? I've been here since about noon, and oh. it is 5.20. Wow. <laughs> How much longer are you going to be here? Uh, we'll be wrapping up. It looks like we've just given away just about everything we have, and um, we'll call it a day pretty soon. All right. Thank you very much, Susan. Thank you. So... What's uh, your name, and you work for you work with the World Digital Library? My name is Jason Yasner. I'm the operations manager for the World Digital Library, yes. Right. And what can you tell us about the library? Well, the World Digital Library is a special project that's managed by the Library of Congress. It's a global collaborative project with UNESCO, the United Nations, and 194 partner institutions all over the world. And these institutions include national libraries, museums, archives, and other cultural institutions. Uh, our mission is to digitize preserve, protect, and present items of significant cultural heritage that tell the history of humanity. We make them available on the website, which is wdl.org, World Digital Library, wdl.org. The website is free. Uh, there are no logins. There is no cost. Uh, it's available from any network device in the world, iPad. All right, so your name, you're with the uh, National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped? And my name is Evan George. I work in the quality assurance section at the National Library Service. And what we have here today is just some examples of the different services that we provide. This right here is large print music for anyone who has low vision. Um, we also have braille books, audiobooks for music instruction, but also any kind of like bestsellers, any kind of book that you would get in a traditional library. We offer that in braille and audio format. And it's a completely free service. Um, you just sign up through your local library. Um, but yeah, it's a really awesome, awesome service. 
how's, been, how's the festival been for you today? It's been really, um, well, not as busy as last year, I don't think, because there's a lot going on this weekend, but it's been fun. Yeah. How long have you been working so far today? Uh, I, got, I got here at, um, what time did I get here? One thirty. Okay. Yeah. And how, how much longer are you going to be working? Until 6.30. Oh, okay. Yeah. But this morning is very busy. Yeah. Really? Oh, yes. We got, we got big traffic this morning. Oh, fantastic. Oh, yes. And I think um, because, you know, there's other functions going on down here. The uh, African Museum opened up today, and there was something else going on, so that kind of took away some of our, yeah. Traffic. Traffic, yeah. yeah. A little bit. Uh-huh. All right. Thank you very much. Yeah. So uh, this is the American Folklife Center at the library. Can I have your names? My name is Jennifer Cutting. My name is Nancy Gross. We are folklife specialists at the American Folklife Center. Fantastic. What can you tell us about the Folklife Center? It's a really cool part of the library. It's the um, it's one of 20 smaller reading rooms and divisions of the library. But all by ourselves, we're the largest ethnographic collection in the world. We have over 5 million items, and we're best known probably for our music. If you know an American folk song, it's very likely part of our collection. <laughs> yeah, I've actually done research in your reading room with a Veterans History Project. So. Yes, that's one of our divisions, and that's got, we all have over 100,000 interviews now of American veterans. So how has your day been today at the festival? We've met a lot of really nice people who are really interested in folklore and what we do. Oh, fantastic. So we've had a great time here at the book festival. Oh, uh, how long has your day been so far? Well, I came at two. I came, came at three. At three. Oh, okay. We're sort of spelling each other, so uh, there's just so many people to speak to that you can... You couldn't just, I'm starting to lose my voice, I think. So, but, but as, as Jennifer says, just a lot of really nice, interested people. So, like you, and I see you have an assistant with you. And, yes. uh, it's my oldest daughter, yes. Oh, hi. Welcome. She, she's shy now. After we did the Pavilion of Estates, now she's, she's seen enough people. Now. Well, it's, it's very hectic. I think we've all seen a lot of people today, too, so I can understand. That. But you're setting a very good example for her recording others, so maybe she's a future folklorist. Oh, hopefully. All right, thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, so we're now leaving the National Book Festival in the Washington Convention Center, Washington, D.C. We didn't actually go to any of the author readings or book signings. We went around to a lot of the booths and stands and everything. What do you think, Goose? I'm tired out. What was your favorite thing? My favorite thing was we got to see lots of stuff. <laughs> yeah, we got to see lots of stuff. Did you like going to the Pavilion of Estates? Um, yeah. What did you do at the Pavilion of Estates? I learned all about the countries of the whole entire world. No, you learned about the states of the country, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah. And they had a map for her to go around and get uh, stamped for each state and t- U.S. territory. And then at the end, what did you get? I got a piece of candy. A piece of candy, yes. I think a lot of people had gotten through and they had run out of the posters they were giving out, which were actually the same poster we got when we came in. So it was okay that we got a piece of candy, right? Yeah. All right. All right, so we were only here for a couple hours, but we saw a lot. We walked around a lot. We're tired now. 
so we're heading home. Okay, we're back. Well, Paul, what did you think? I I liked it. You guys got a really good couple of nice interviews there. It was really cute to hear. <laughs> what was her, what was that little Mi- girl's name? Michelle. Oh, that, that was Michelle. Yes. Okay, that was Michelle, yeah. I had some trouble understanding, you know, a little bit with her. But... Well, she's five, I mean. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's, I mean, I, she's got time to work on her radio voice. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But yeah, she you know she was adorable. Everyone else, it was nice to hear you know this, the diversity of what you guys got to you know experience there. And how long were you there for again? Oh, uh, we were only there for about two hours. Yeah, mainly because I parked in a two-hour parking space on the street, right. and I did not want to get towed, and I didn't want to pay twenty-three dollars for parking in downtown DC. Ooh, yes. All these are reasonable. And you guys, you got a good several, you know, interviews, you know, in just a two-hour time. So that's excellent. And, of course, yes, they are people, representatives of a library, nobody from Wells Fargo or the Washington Post or any of the state libraries. When I actually, with the states, they were so swamped with people going through doing the scavenger hunt that it was very difficult to be able to get any sort of interview with them. Right, I, and then when finally they did die down, they were t- they were packing up and leaving. So, right. So, I mean, next year, hopefully, you know, we can all get there for a little bit longer. Maybe you can get an extra person, you know, one of us to come there and interview other people while you're getting other interviews. Who knows? Well, I'm already working the channels to try to get even better than that. I'm really pushing for the fact that that exhibitor space was far too empty. Hmm. Because primarily they only allowed exhibitors from their main sponsors. Right. And what's a book festival without a book fair? Right. You know, that's, so that's I, I, I'm working the, the channels on the inside of the library. And if Alga is successful, I would love it if AS21 would have its own table at the book festival next year. That would be great. Yeah. But they had, they haven't had exhibitors before. They used to be on the National Mall, and they had a lot smaller space, but since they were forced to move to Convention Center when the National Park Service scaled back the amount of events going on on the National Mall, uh, they've had more space to work with. And, of course, it's a new librarian. Who knows? Maybe next year we'll be there with our own table, and then we could just interview people that come to the table. Yeah, that would be, be a lot more interesting because you can you'll be interviewing people who are there because they're interested in being there rather than, you know, the employee. <laughs> right. And I will, also, I do have to regret, when I was recording Jason from the World Digital Library, unfortunately, somehow the audio stopped recording halfway through my interview with him because after he finished talking about the digital library, we talked about his experience with the book festival. And he has worked every single book festival going back 14 years and not only that, but he stays the whole day. Ooh. So he was there at 6 a.m. to help set up, and he will will be there would be there until 10 o'clock that night to tear down. Oof. Yes. So, rough. But he he loves it, and he also kind of liked being indoors a bit. Although he liked the outdoors as well, but <laughs> it was a good talk with him. And I do also regret that I didn't get a chance to talk to with anyone from the copyright office. They were, they they were pretty busy with people coming up to them, so it was hard to get in. And plus, like I said, when you got a five year old with you, 
it's really difficult to keep her attention and do these interviews as well. So, but uh, thank all the people I talked to: Jason from Word Digital Library, Susan from the Publishing Office, Evan from uh, the National Library Service for the Blind and Physically Handicapped, and the two women from the Folk Life Center. They were tremendous, and I'm very thankful that they could take their time to talk to me and not only tell us about their what they were there for, but also their own experiences with the book festival. So I hope you enjoyed that. That's it. I figure that's a lot better than just us talking about book festivals. But Yeah. Now, of course, there was another book festival going on in the D.C. area at the, starting the next day, and that was the fall for the book festival hosted at George Mason University and various uh, destinations across D.C., Maryland, and Virginia. Now, that one is entirely just uh, panels, just readings and author talks and events like that. There is an award ceremony on the first day. I believe Diane Rehm of NPR received an award at the beginning. Uh, they decided this year they had previously been a full week program from Sunday to Saturday. This year they decided to cut back by a day and end on Friday. Because of that, one of the things that hit the chopping block was the book fair. Last year I was very honored to be included in the book fair as 21 was there. All day on the Saturday of the, of the festival and we met with other publishers in the area, namely uh, Possibilities Publishing out of Burke, Virginia and some on-campus groups that did, you know, their campus literary magazine and would, and would be writers. But unfortunately, it was bad weather, so we got pushed inside, and then from there, it was pushed back into a corner. It, I don't blame them because the weather was horrible that day, but when it all came down, it was not the best experience, so they decided to just not do it this year. So I did not get a chance to attend anything for the fall for the book this year, Last year, not only were we, of course, there for the book fair, but our release party for the AS21 annual was a, one of the featured events. But unfortunately, that didn't happen this year. And because the Fall for the Book Festival actually came a week earlier than it did last year, that meant the release party for this year's AS21 annual, which happened this past Tuesday, October 4th, was after the festival was already over, so what could had no opportunity to be a featured event of the festival this year. Next year. Next, next year. Oh. Next year. Always next year. Aim for everything. Yep. Okay, so that wraps it up for this edition of the Publish Me podcast. Uh in the month ahead, next Saturday, October fifteenth, I'll be attending the Western Maryland Independent Literature Festival in Frostburg, Maryland, at uh the Frostburg State University Center for Literary Arts. We went, myself and creative James D. King went last year and had a good time. It was a room full of publishers. So you're, if you're in Western Maryland or Southwestern Pennsylvania or Eastern West Virginia or Northern Virginia, it's not that long of a drive to come on up and just be in a, basically in a multi-purpose room full of publishers. So I'll be going again. I believe James D. King will be joining me once again. We are having events the night of the 7th and the afternoon of the 8th for Michael B. Judkins returning to the D.C. area to promote his book, Interlude to the Sentimental Me. Uh, if you go to the AS21 YouTube channel, you should now be able to watch the live video from the AS21 annual launch party on October 4th at Walls of Books in Washington, D.C. 
thank you to everyone who contributed to this year's AS21 annual. Paul, you missed the deadline, but that's okay. We'll get you next year. You were busy finishing your book. Yes. Next year, I'm going to have a lot more things to submit for people. <laughs> Fantastic. And of, and then before the next podcast on November 5th is the DC Author Festival. Thankfully, it's in November this year. Last year, the DC Author Fest and the Western Maryland Independent Literature Festival were on the same day. But poet Bianca Palmazano, one of our creatives, has been selected to not only exhibit at the DC Author Festival, but she has been selected to speak. So she will be on stage three at three o'clock on Saturday, November 5th, reading some of her poetry, both from her debut collection, The Empty Spaces, and her new collection, Will This Be on the Final?, which is now available for pre-order through this coming Tuesday, October 11th. Find it on the AS21 Market, Smashwords, Barnes & Noble, Kobo, iBooks, Google Play, and soon on Amazon. Then, of course, later in the month of November, we'll be having more events at Walls of Books in Washington, D.C., one featuring Bianca Bonzano and one featuring Dr. Deepon Chatterjee, author of the first pathetical. Now, for next month, we will be having a guest episode a regularly scheduled guest episode, but like I said, it'll be the first in a series of guest episodes. And we'll be welcoming author Thomas P. Atheridge. Now, Tom is publishing. After a long search, he is finally publishing his book, tentatively titled American Presidents at War. It is a scholarly work of nonfiction, written originally in 2009. And if you notice the calendar, it's not 2009 anymore. So... No. Tom finished his book in 2009, and he had just signed with a publisher, so we will be talking to him about the seven-year-long effort for him to f navigating the publishing industry to find a publisher for his book. So, Paul, you're lucky. You, you signed with us before you even finished the book. <laughs> Poor Tom finished the book and wasn't so lucky. So we'll be talking to him about the trials and pitfalls of navigating the publishing industry, both with major publishers, publishing houses, university presses, and even in some other publishing sources that may be outside the realm for uh, any regular writers, but were open to Tom. So we'll be having Tom on, and he'll be talking about his experiences, and of course we'll be in promotion of his book, tentatively titled American Presidents at War. All right, Paul, you got anything? Next month, everybody, when you hear from us, uh, hopefully I will have gotten the first draft. Well, technically, at that point, technically a second draft mm -hmm. to our wonderful editor, Corey. And we are we will be going full steam ahead on getting you all this book. Yes, indeed. And, of course, I realized I forgot to say at the top of the podcast how you can reach out to us, so I'll make sure I hit it tonight. At the end, in fact, the last podcast I didn't mention at all. You can find us on Podomatic, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and Google Play, as well as our own YouTube channel where we're a little bit behind on getting the episodes posted, but once they're up there, they're good stuff. And, of course, you can reach out to us, publish podcast at AIS21.com, AOIS21.com. We're on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Publish Podcast, on Twitter at Publish Podcast. And then, of course, you can find us other places around social media, either through us or through AS21. And, of course, find us at our home on the web, media.as21.com, where you can find not only us, but the other members of the AS21 Podcast Network. So, 
for AS21 Publishing, I am Keith F. Selvin, Publisher-in-Chief Creative. And as always, I am Paul Dickinson Russell, author of The Will of the Magi. Remember, where there are thoughts and ideas, there are stories. I'll see you next month. Copyright 2016, AS21 Publishing, LLC, all rights reserved. AS21 Publishing. What do you want your book to be?